You're listening to the Scottish Football Forums podcast, the home of Scottish football banter. Hi, welcome to the latest episode of Scottish Football Forums podcast. We're at season 11, episode 24. Tonight we've got a treat for you because both the Johns are on. Hello, John. Even John gets me on. I'm glad we've got some special guests. We've got um, a good few statements. I mean, questions for them. Uh, oh, well, I, but I will not talk about statements. Are great, but it's all questions. Maybe some folk will give statements. Uh, is that a wee dig at Air Force One because he's a Falkirk fan? Because he'd been on recently. It was more of a dig at the club he supports, no him. Um, Aye. You know, I spoke to Air Force One about it before the Scotland women's game Friday night, but I'll save a chat about that for later. I think it's safe to say that there's some clubs just now that are maybe um, not doing fan interaction quite the right way. But not as weird great at it. Erin, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you. I'm really happy with Falkirk this week because until they had their drama, we were the most embarrassing team of the week. So quite nice that they've taken that over from us. Yeah, that'll be, that'll be all the chat we'll have at Aberdeen. We won't try about Aberdeen, even though we did win it weekend. That'll be it. We did. We're going to win every game from now on, folks. No point chatting about us. It'll be fine. Okay, maybe if great. we don't talk about them, that'll probably be the inspiration. Yeah, um, maybe I. Right, OK. So let's get into the... We've got two special guests, which is good. And it's something I don't think we've done before in the podcast in terms of the dynamic we're going to have. So I, I'm really excited about it. So first up, and I'll kind of let you maybe introduce yourselves a wee bit, but we've got Kilmarnock Women's Head Coach Andy Gardner on. How you doing, Andy? Hi there, how you doing? Good to, good to be here. Aye, no, good to have you on. Uh, and if you want, you can introduce the other person that's on the podcast, seeing as you're on better than us. Yeah, so obviously tonight, who's going to be joining me is Laura, who's our um, club captain at Kilmarnock. Um, so yeah, Laura's going to be joining us, which is great. How you doing, Laura? You good? Yeah, hi, happy to be on. Cool, looking forward to it. Now, straight off the bat, we might as well get out the, get out the road. Because we ask everyone, Andy, what is your favourite pie at the football? Kelly pie. Well, that's to be fair. I if there's ever a time that someone could answer that, that's that's aye, that's the time of Laura. Are you into pies? And what's your favourite pie? Uh, it has to be the Kelly pie. Famous. To be fair, I believe you're is. asking two Kilmarnock people who the, what their favourite pie is. They wouldn't be good ambassadors for the club if they'd said something else. I don't think Kathy Jemmers would be too happy. Yeah, what's your again. second favourite pie? <laughs> That's a better question. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Um, it's macaroni. It's macaroni, isn't it? Oh, I do. I do like a macaroni pie. I must admit. Oh, I've made no. too many lately. Ah. <laughs> uh, uh, Laura, what's your opinion? It doesn't even need to be a pie. It could just be a hot food item at the football. Though, obviously, as a professional footballer, you're not yeah, eating pies. Yeah, I don't pies. eat stuff like that. Yeah, I don't yeah. eat pies. Good answer. Good answer. Um, so, I, I'm liking this. There's a bit of banter between you pair. This will be interesting yourselves. So, right, where should we get? Aye, a wee bit of introduction. So, Andy, obviously, you're head coach at Kilmarnock, uh, women's team now. <laughs> When we were doing the research and having a read, you took over at a, a bloody quality time, didn't you? February 2020. How was that? Hi, <laughs> um, interesting. Obviously, I just kind of came in and had been with the group for probably about a month. Um, and then we obviously went into 
lockdown, so I hadn't really met kind of the full squad. A lot of players had kind of been out. Um, so I, after a month, it was down to Zoom calls and obviously getting to know players over over um, the calls. And yeah, it was awkward, but uh, it good. It was good because it brought us closer together as a group um, and, and gave us a, an, an alternative way of obviously doing the training, which helped us in the long run, I think, because the more and more time we spent together, we kind of bonded as a group. In terms of that then, so obviously everyone was like, right, let's go on here with Zoom and all that. Had you actually had experience of using like virtual technology before the work, like in previous roles? Yeah, so my day job, um, which is working with a company called Street League, which uh, helps kids get back into work. Um, so we use that quite a lot um, and it was a good way of kind of introducing it um, to the players, which was perfect for us. Um, so yeah, we had a lot of kind of usage with it with certain staff members etc so it worked quite well Yeah what about from your point of view Laura obviously as captain how long have you been at the club because we always find it's difficult to get information on women's players unless Wikipedia's put stuff or there's news items so how long have you been at Kelly? I think this is my sixth season with Kelly my second as captain um, so I moved I'm sure it's my sixth season sixth season so how did you find it then in terms of you got a new coach coming in? And did, I take it you might have met him a couple of times you've been captain or not, or was it before? Yeah, no, I'd, I'd met him a few times before, obviously lockdown, which did help. But going on to Zoom, it was challenging at first because um, also people, a lot of people hadn't used Zoom and the kind of times we were doing it, a few of our girls obviously came out to training, but Zoom calls at the start, everyone was a bit all over the place. But eventually we got into a routine and after we got into a routine, it was really good and it was doing different kind of things. Like we'd done yoga, we'd done different hit workouts. So because it was different to just football training, it was quite a, quite a difference. It was good. Aye, I think a lot of places started doing different work things. Like John, I mean, work-wise for us, or maybe not even work-wise, but social-wise, it was all like quiz nights on a Saturday with your family or whoever. It was like, I like a quiz night, so I was quite into it, to be honest. Yeah, it was um it was from a podcast point of view, it was good when there was no football that we got um a special guest on we ended up with two guests waiting then a couple of throwbacks, which was good. Um but and I just need to ask you mention obviously about, you know, your job getting um, you know, kids into work and then obviously dealing with a football football team all over Zoom. How challenging was that from a mental health point of view, not just from your players and clients' point of view, but probably your own as well, because that would have been such hard work for such a period of time. Yeah, it was really difficult, to be honest. Um, it, it took a long while to kind of get a settled plan um, in place. But obviously, we've had was having so many staff at Kelly. Um, and obviously, with our day job, we're having a few different staff members kind of working alongside the kids. It, it did help. But yeah, I think it was just about making sure that you were focused, you had that plan in place, and, and that you were just trying to kind of touch base with people every day. Um, that that's kind of what helped us all get through it and as I said that I really do believe that's what brought us closer together as a group is that we had a lot of interaction we had WhatsApp groups we had running groups um, and it really just kind of kept everybody together and just maybe even just simple phone calls for the chaplain just checking in and how people are on a daily basis it did help See on the back of that for yourself Laura this is a question we got from one of our listeners actually um, in relation to this so how did you adapt to the different training at first? Obviously, you've mentioned about you like the yoga and stuff like that. But again, like the mental health side of things like anxiety about returning to actually back to what you like doing best is playing football. 
It took a while to adapt. I'm a, I like to run, so I run kind of every day. So for me, I was just anxious in how, how long I was running for, um, doing my own like indoor workouts as well. Mother half plays football, so I was taking him to the park and we were kind of keeping kind of the football side of things going. So for me, it wasn't as bad as others that maybe were stuck in the house all the time. Um, but it still, it wasn't the same as going to training because there's nothing better than going and being with all the girls and playing proper football rather than just the two of you. How did you first get into football, Ora? Um, for, for myself, I was actually in primary school and two females came in and were trying to advertise a kind of local football team that they were starting up. And I went home and I said to my mum, she at the start was like, football, really? Um, so after that, I went to it and I loved it and I've played ever since. So from yourself, Andy, in terms of as a coach, do you think almost you've learned more as a coach because you've had to adapt so much? Yeah, I definitely do. We actually spoke about this a couple of weeks ago. Um, we, as, as coaches, like how much we've all kind of came together as a group and how we've kind of really had to adapt. Um, just the teaching methods as well, because when you're on the pitch, that's where you're most comfortable. Um, but when you're trying to kind of get your vision and your philosophy over to players that you've only really met for a month, and you've not really met a full squad. It's difficult, um, but yeah, it was. It's definitely made me a better coach, and I would probably say a better person as well because you get to know your players a lot more, um, and 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 I think that helps when, when you've got that bond. Um, so yeah, I definitely think it's helped me a lot. I don't know how you feel about that, Laura, but yeah, it's definitely been it's been a good time over the last eighteen months. Yeah, it's definitely it's brought the team closer together because you find that you're speaking to the players away from football like a lot more because you're checking how everybody was doing. Um, so you're chatting to people kind of near enough every day and different kind of chats as well. So for it was just to build just about football, you were kind of finding out more about your teammates, which was good. Like a, a rapport between everyone. Yeah. There must have been a couple of challenging times as well because obviously, Andy, when you first got in the job, the, the season was supposed to be starting and then it, you're having to wait until you find out when the season started. And that went on a while whilst the senior Scottish club, men's clubs were all squabbling. Um, you get your date, you then get a few games um, and then it starts again, you know, in January you had to shut down and it wasn't until June that um, SPF, um, SWPL2 resumed. I mean, that must have been really challenging as well. Both yeah, and Laura. I think we found it quite strange at first because obviously we'd always been told that the kind of two leagues would go back at the same time. Um, and obviously we knew that obviously the original leagues below that hadn't really started with like, the championship and that in Division 2. So we always thought that Division SWPL 1 and 2 would have went back at the same time. But when they only brought back down, obviously, the SWPL 1 sides, um, we were kind of left out in the dark. Um, and that was a really testing time as well because you're seeing everybody else playing football and we were kind of still working, doing Zoom calls, quizzes, um, the yoga classes and stuff. So it was very, very frustrating at, that, at the beginning. Um, but, yeah, it's, it was... It was quite a strange time, and as you said, with it constantly kept getting put back, it's really hard to kind of build yourself up. I think we had maybe three or four pre-seasons, crazy, like just mm -hmm. constantly having to chop and change the this kind of start dates, um, which was difficult for players, and players started to pick up niggles because you're loading the players to get back to a certain date, and then they would change the date again, and then you're having to kind of underload them, and it's difficult to manage, but I think we kind of got through it, um, 
well and obviously when we did come back to competitive games come the June time we were obviously in good shape which was perfect for the kind of running of the eight games See from that with that frustration of like obviously the SWPL one starting but you know guys not getting stuck so my understanding this is where you're maybe kind of correct me wrong but in the actual top flight not everyone is fully professional are they? No no There's only uh, what three clubs four clubs maybe? Three or four now, yeah, three or four clubs now. So you've obviously got um, City, Celtic, Rangers, and then Hibs, um, and then a few others are obviously trying to kind of fight to kind of get that as well. So it is difficult, um, but the way that we were kind of looking at it is there was some teams still in the SWPL1 who were kind of similar to us and other teams in SWPL2. So it's frustrating from that point of view, but at the end of the day, we, we got to complete the season, which is the main thing, and I guess we're, we're kind of thankful for that. He certainly had to cram in a lot of games. I remember speaking to Emma Hunter, the Aberdeen manager, about this, who obviously ended up winning the league game. But it was eight games in like four or five weeks. I mean, it was a crazy end of season. And then you're straight back almost into pre season afterwards, either as well. Yeah, well, that was quite a strange one because obviously SWPL1 uh, stopped and, and they had a good period of time to kind of relax, go on holiday, do what they need to do. We kind of were playing. If, correct me if I'm wrong, Laura, I think it was Sunday, Wednesday, Sunday, Wednesday. It was crazy. Um, yeah. And obviously the amount of injuries that you're starting to pick up because there's not even teams in kind of, you're probably talking down in England and, and the Premier League has been that kind of fixture schedule comes around about Christmas time. It's, it's crazy. Um, so it was really difficult to manage, but credit to all the players um, for not being full time um, and obviously having to do their jobs to kind of put that time and effort in to make themselves available for every game. And that's where we were really lucky as a squad. We, we had a really good end to the season and that was down to the players. It's, it's as simple as that. The players all kind of bought into exactly what we were doing. Um, but I think the quick turnaround as well, I think if I'm right in saying more, it was maybe two weeks that we had to kind of get yeah. prepared for the new season. So it's not a lot of time at all. And we're just kind of delighted right now at this moment in time that we've had this two-week period off just to kind of let everybody relax and recover again. For yourself, Laura, with that as well, as a player, how difficult was that to like stop, start thinking your season's getting going and then it's pre-season, 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 whereas you're doing different stuff, I'd imagine, to prepare for a season than what you've been normally doing outside in normal week to week. Yeah, it was, it was challenging. You're just you're kind of getting yourself up for a league started and then um, next one you're finding out, no, it's not actually happening. It's just It was just unknown, really. If we'd had a definite answer saying this is definitely it's going to start, it'd have been easier because you work yourself up to it and that's it. But we've done it that many times. Each time we get told it's restarting, at the back of your mind, you're like, is it really? Um, so doing like all the pre-seasons, for myself, I quite enjoy pre-seasons. So it wasn't, I didn't mind doing all the pre-seasons, but not many people are the same as me. So doing four, <laughs> a lot of the kiddos went through just with it. But we got there eventually. And like I said, the second half of the season for us, that's when we really kind of started to gel and, played well as a team because we did kind of rocky start so it paid off eventually So this is where none of our players are on so you can uh, be as bold as you want here as the person that likes pre-season and as captain I'm guessing you're the best runner in the club at the club No I wouldn't I wouldn't say so I just enjoy it the most but you enjoy it the most Yeah <laughs> Leave it from the front I, I was giving you a chance there to like just go for it No uh, I, I, modest... I, just, I just enjoy it Enjoy it <laughs> Mm-hmm. Right, all right. John, did you want to come in at something? 
or Aaron? Just case, I was just wanting to say, um, Laura, what what qualities do you um, bring that makes you, you um, stand out as a captain? Do you think? I think I'm quite laid back. I know in previous teams I've played for, some captains are quite kind of full on and intimidating. But for myself, I don't. I'm not that kind of person. I think I'm quite easygoing, which I think makes me quite approachable. Um, over especially during lockdown, I'd numerous girls in the team message me about things. It's nice to know they've confidence in, in me that they can and also trust me that enough to be able to approach me and kind of tell me what they're worried about or if it is just something silly for a chat. Um, it's nice to know that I think I'm approachable. Um, I like um, hearing about games and now that you're back playing on things and you're busy playing games all the time, um, what are your best memories from games? What are your favourite ones? I quite, I'd probably say cup games are good. It's been a cup final. You can't be a cup final, obviously. Um, leading up to it, it's just also the excitement of it, but it's the most nerve-wracking experience as well because cup games, even if you play a team that are also down in paper is better than you, cup games can kind of go either way. Um, so for me, definitely cup, cup games, especially cup finals are always good. I would say on the back of that, as a fan, I much prefer cup football to league football. But it's probably because of your support, mind you. But you always feel right, like you say, you've got a chance in the cup. Like mm-hmm. it's a 90 minutes or whatever, depending penalties yeah. nowadays. Just there's, there's, it's true to say there is a demands about the cup. Anything can happen. Yeah, I think as well because there's only 12 teams in the league and you play each other so often. Getting someone in the cup that's not someone you normally play or somewhere you've not been before is quite good fun. Yeah, I've gained, isn't it? I suppose when you go like another ground or you go and play a team you've not played before I think it just mixes it up a little bit and I do think the cup there is an excitement and a magic about the cup and people do get that whole kind of feeling I think. And that was something that was missing from the women's game last season because um, the cups were scrapped it was just league football but obviously it came back this year with the I've been keeping a good eye in the um, SWPL cup and the quarterfinals of this weekend actually so it must although come out didn't progress it must be good to have cup football back. Yeah, it was because you're getting the chance to play teams in the top league and that's the things you want to play again because you want to challenge yourself because um, ultimately that's what every kind of player should be aiming to play in, in the top league. So when you're playing against the better teams and the better players, you improve as a kind of player and as a team. I think that's a good way to look at it. I think you get some, sometimes you'll hear players say, oh, it's, it's just a game, like you might, might, might win, we might win, but having that positive attitude does rub off, I would think. Like, and as a coach, I'd imagine, Andy, you'll love to hear that from your captain and your players. Yeah, definitely. I, I think, obviously, not having the Cups last year was really difficult because, as you say, it's it's that kind of romance of the Cup. It's the luck of the draw. And you, you obviously want to be playing against the kind of best teams in the country. So we, we know that the squad of players that we've got now are all players that are all challenging, all want to do well and, and want to play in the top leagues. So that is our aim. And when you do get a chance to play teams like Hibs and the cup this season it's it's a great day for everybody it's a great day for the fans a great day for the players because you're going up against the best players in the country and these have kind of been the pioneer players for for years that have kind of put the put the, the ladies game on in the map in Scotland so when you go up to play these type of teams it's it's a great day and the girls should be extremely proud of themselves when, when we played Hibs this year because we we stifled them we, we made it hard for them to play obviously the result wasn't what we wanted but when you look at other results in our group, when, when teams played against Hibs, there was some big scoreline. So um, 
if we had been maybe a little bit more clinical at certain times and, and defended a little bit better, it could have been a lot better day. But we, we took the result and we learned a lot from that and it, and it really helped us get into these last six games of the league. It, it focused us and, and, and showed us what we need to do to be up there with the best. Have there been a good cup team in, re- in recent years? I know they've been um, good fight at finals with Glasgow City and they've won a few trophies, so it's no shame going down to SM and um, hopefully from the Aberdeen point of view, the Aberdeen women's team beat them in the League Cup, uh, the SWPL Cup this weekend, but we're on to talk about Kamara. How good has it been having the, f- um, the fans back, even though women's football doesn't get um, great crowds at the moment? It must be just good to see going out and seeing some people at Rugby Park again, and hopefully there'll be more in weeks to come as well. Yeah, no, listen, it's a, it's a big thing that, that we wanted to do this year was we wanted to really get the backing of the club. The club have been superb to us and they've really supported the women's team. So I think it was about us finding creative ways that we could try and get fans into the stadium. And it's been absolutely brilliant. It's, it's really driven us through games when, when we've been struggling. There have been a lot of tight games recently and the fans have all have just kind of been that extra man for us and, and really pushed us through. So we would encourage more and more Kelly fans to get along to the games because it definitely makes a difference. And if we are going to be successful this year, we are going to need the fans behind us just the same way that the men's team are. See you on yeah. the back of that. Oh, on you go, John. I was just going to say, you're getting good entertainment if you're the Commandant and Queen's Park games then to go by. I think that's what you were going to say, John, weren't you? It wasn't actually, no, but that that was that was to come. Uh, but we've obviously had Cathy Jameson. That was at the start of last season, I think. At the last season, yeah. Um, so we know, like from Cathy, uh, can I know? I don't know Cathy well, but I see her at Talbot Games, because I've got Talbot Games. I know she's a Kilmarnock fan. The draw yesterday, I noticed she was saying, please, not Talbot Kilmarnock. She was like, anything but that tie. But again, we'll not talk too much about it. But I know from living in Ayrshire and that, Kilmarnock, the community, trust the element, what they did to help the club financially, when obviously, I know it's the men's game, but I'm guessing the same day, I'm back in the women's team by having you playing at Rugby Park because some not all the men's teams allow their women's teams play at the ground that must be a bonus I think yeah from your guys point of view yeah it's a, it's a massive bonus and, and obviously that's what everybody wants to do they want to be playing in stadiums you want to be playing the same as the men's game and um, so for us to have that unique opportunity to do that every second week is, is massive and it, we want to try and make Rugby Park a kind of fortress for us that when teams come to play is that we're going to make it difficult for them. Um, and that's the kind of whole idea behind it. And Kathy and the guys, obviously, at Kilmarnock have been superb and made sure that that was going to continue um, because I think that was the worry was when obviously everything that happened with COVID would be that would we find an alternative home. But the club have been absolutely superb. They've always made us feel very welcome and we've always got that spot at four o'clock on a Sunday. So it's massive and, and that's a big thanks to the club and Kathy and the rest of the guys. I guess as a player as well, Laura, that's where you'd want to play. Because we've heard stories, Leanne Crichton we had on, and Leanne Crichton were telling some stories about some pitches that she played on. And she's playing for Glasgow City and the top team in Scotland, but playing at facilities that there's no way they would have the men playing at. Yeah, no, the, the park's great. Um, that's something when I first came to Kilmarnock, um, we didn't get have um, access to rugby parks, so... When that first got introduced, it was obviously everyone was buzzing about it. Because not everyone wanted to, like you say, get access to the big stadium. So even when other teams are coming to play, they're all walking in, videoing and taking pictures. So it's a, a good step um, for women's football, the fact that more and more women's teams are getting access. And especially for ourselves, it's good. Um, playing in the park as well, it's 
it's obviously it's good to see it's attracts the fans as well because it's better the fans coming to a stadium rather than stand at the side of a, a pitch in the middle of nowhere. So it definitely has its benefits. I think much as we're talking about crowds not yet being at the level of what the men's game are, like obviously there's an example of early in the season, Hibs and Hearts. Um, so it was Easter Road and I think was it Wednesday night, Tuesday or Wednesday, it was 6,000 fans. Like, that shows that people will go. Like, they want to see football. I think it doesn't matter whether it's who it is. I know myself, I go to youth football, under under 20s, whatever, amateur. Folk like just going to football. Do you, think, do you think engagement with women's football is getting better? Or a... Yeah, it definitely is, especially I've noticed a massive difference on social media. Um, a couple of years ago, women's football, like it was hardly spoken about on social media. If anything, it was just maybe the top kind of three or four teams in Scotland that you heard about. But more and more, even the leagues below, um, they're getting more and more kind of out there on social media. And the fact that games are now being televised on BBC Alba, hopefully eventually that comes down to ourselves, which now it's just the top league. But it's, it's good to see it's a step in the right direction that people are starting to notice women's football. I'm just thinking in terms of like having rugby park as facilitators, surely the potential for something similar to what happened at Easter Road for the Edinburgh Derby. Like you could get a right good crowd in. Do, do you think that what, what I've found in terms of when, I'm, when we're doing research and John will probably agree with me on this, we try and find out information because we want to sound like we know stuff. We're still learning about the women's game and that's been honest. But trying to find some things like where the game is, when the game is. Now I know maybe to an extent now I think it is more kind of four o'clock-ish, isn't it, really? Unless the games are televised, that the women's football will be on now on a Sunday, SWPL 1 and 2 or not it always. Just, it just depends, to be honest. Every team's different. Um, I think the kind of frustration from some of the fans that we've spoke to is that on the website it says that we'll play it too. And our, our games are all four. Um, so I think that's probably stuff that needs to be maybe fixed um, in terms of the kind of admin at the, the SFA, I don't really know how they would sort that or can I just somebody to really update the the kind of websites um, to kind of let them know because obviously Kamarnock always say that our games are at four o'clock but you do see it if you if you were to type in Kamarnock fixtures for the women's team you would probably see that it's six at two o'clock um, and that's probably what means that we lose out and people come along to the game but um, we've really tried to publicise a lot of it on social media from our social media team. They've really tried to kind of get us out there the last 18 months. And we've kind of seen a big influx of fans that have all kind of been coming along to the to the games, which is brilliant. And that's exactly what we need, because if we are going to do well and we are going to get promoted, then it's going to be that type of backing that we need when we go up to the top league. There's no question that the um, exposure is night and day compared to what we were doing even um, as recent as five years ago. But what I've found when I've um, been doing basic research for any of my guests coming on, um, I'll pick an example, Leah 3 day from Hearts last season, there wasn't anything on the Hearts website, it just had her name and nothing nothing else, didn't say who else you played for, etc. So luckily I had a connection who could get me that information, but you know, I think that it's still something that needs worked on. I think clubs need to do more than just put the names. I think they need to put a wee bit more on. This was something I fed back to Aileen Campbell when she was on, um, the chief executive of um, Scot- Scottish Women. And, um, you know, she was in complete agreement. And it's just something that hopefully they'll be working on going forward to try and um, grow the game further. That's even something I think I was saying to Andy before the podcast started, I think, and uh, Laura. Um, so we'd like to try and do our research. Andy, we did find some stuff from yourself just in terms of like moving the club what you've previously done but in terms of for yourself Laura because 
there's not a Wikipedia entry for you effectively. We were, but in a way, it's good because you learn new stuff. But even on the club, I think the club website, the men's team have pro, player profiles. The women have got pictures and they have got the squad there, but not. I don't think there's player profiles. So things like that, because people want to know the players a wee bit, even if it's just the football inside, not necessarily what you're doing off the pitch, right? Because that doesn't really work, but what you're doing, because it builds a connection, doesn't it, between fans and players? Yeah, I think that's something eventually will get improved on, but um, like you said, there isn't very much in that at all. I think it's down to individual clubs as well, getting stuff on their own websites, even just kind of updating Twitter and stuff like that with a few things would be a start, but no, there isn't very much information about the players at all from most teams. Yeah. To be fair to Kamarik in terms of Twitter and that, obviously they've been really good to like, follow them, have a look. And you are good at sharing information and telling folks. So generally, if you're playing at Rugby Park Sunday, it'll be four o'clock. Is that pretty much? Yeah, yeah. That that's it. It's going to be four o'clock going forward, and that's going to be going to be our slot. And that was the kind of way that caffeine that I spoke about. If we've got that set time every week, that allows us to be able to get fans along and fans will know. But it's quite interesting you speak about the players' um, profiles because um, it's something that we've spoke a lot about and. One of our social media uh, guys that we're taking on this year, Stephen Rayside, he's been fantastic with that. He's actually been working for the last two months on putting together uh, player profiles for obviously our squad. And what he's doing is he's doing videos uh, at, at training, just with players, getting to know players and pulling people out of training and that. And that's stuff that we're going to look to try and kind of unveil um, kind of later in the year once we kind of start to go into the Christmas period and that. So it's definitely something that he had picked up on. And, we're just not rolled it out yet, but I think that'll definitely help because everybody wants to know more about it. And the more and more stuff that they get out there, it's obviously going to be better for the players and it, and it hi- highlights their profiles. Yeah. On the back of uh, so Rugby Park, four o'clock Sunday, cost to get in? It's uh, it's just a donation at, at the door. Um, that's what the club's decided to go with this year, which is really unique because I don't think there's many clubs out there that are doing that. Actually, I've not heard of anybody doing that, a, a donation at the door. And, We've we found it really useful. It's it's brought in a lot more fans, and and that was down to that was actually Kathy's idea. It was a fantastic idea, and um, we're kind of reaping the benefits of it because we're getting a lot more fans through the doors. That's tremendous. What's your link up with the men's team like? Are they quite separate, Kelly, or are they pretty closely involved? Because I think a big part of women's football kind of getting exposure and getting it out there tends to be that some clubs very much keep it separate, which is fine, but then it tends to kind of lead to the men's team being the focus and the women's team doesn't really get the same kind of exposure. No, to be honest, we, we are really well looked after at the club. Um, Laura will even admit that herself. Um, even when we were doing the kind of kit deals and the kind of kit photographs and stuff, Laura was there front front screen with all the first team players and that's exactly the way it should be. The Kilmarnock are really unique that way and, and that's kind of been the vision that they've had since the last 18 months since they brought us under the umbrella was that they would take us on board, they, they would get us to do all the same stuff that the first team are doing um, and, and that's credit to all the, the, all the staff at Kilmarnock because they make that happen. They, they never leave us out of anything. We're included in the kit deal, um, included in the training deal. Um, all our facilities are paid for them. So yeah, we're very thankful to obviously the club and and long may that continue because obviously for players like Laura um, and other players that will go and get that opportunity to go and spend time with first team players is massive. That's something that I think a few clubs um, miss a shit. Rach, of course, they made that point about Aberdeen because um, Aberdeen don't, um, uh, you know, they do it separately when 
they should really promote on the same. They're, they're under the same umbrella. And I was listening to a podcast with Caroline Weir on the, um, the Scotland National Team channel, and she was talking about how she regularly catches up with Kevin De Bruyne. You know, just talk, just talking football, and sometimes Pep Guardiola will come watch a women's game, and I think that's that's all good because that just shows that even at a club as elite as City, they are all focused on win by happy family, the men's women's team together. And it's good to hear that um, that's been encouraged at Kilmarnock. So that's all Kevin De Bruyne can learn how to play from Caroline Weir. Oh, without question, yeah. <laughs> I think it makes a difference, though, if you know that you are kind of, you know, one club, one side. I think it just creates a bit of unity as well, because then you also get the fans who are, you know, huge Killy fans, see it as being one club. And so you don't have people thinking, well, I'm not going to women's football, it's separate. And it probably does, I think it encourages as well young girls to get involved and to think, you know, I'll be welcome here, I can go play. And even, you know, the men's youth sides, because you want the club to become, you know, approachable, welcoming. And I think that is really important. Do you get involved in any of the youth stuff with girls' teams, Laura? Yeah, I've been along to a couple of younger teams' training sessions just to help out um, with the kind of coaches and uh, giving a talk as well just to the youngsters. Um, so it's good. It's a good path in Kilmarnock, right up from the youngest team right up to the kind of first team. Um, I must love that when you go along. It's like a celebrity for them turning up to their training. The, well, the last time they went very quiet. When even the loudest ones that usually don't have <laughs> always had a lot to say, even climbed up. So <laughs> I think that's something that we've spoken about numerous times in the podcast. When we've had any female guests on, is that it's the whole you can't be what you can't see. Whereas now young girls can see like yourself. The Scottish national team, like we only saw on Friday, you were at the game, John, the, the players at the end of the game giving boots, shirts to young fans, whatever. And that's that means something to a kid. Like, like, like when you went to football and you were a kid, imagine if you'd caught something from a player, you'd be, oh, you'd be buzzing. I'd still have it, to be honest. I don't, I know, John, you had a few pictures with players when you were young and they come out every year, like you show us them all. Yeah, I still share um, some of those pictures 31 years on. And, you know, whenever I invite an Aberdeen guest, you know, I'll send them a, a picture. <laughs> <laughs> and they'll say, when was that? <laughs> um, but no, um, on, uh, yeah, on Friday night, I mean, the atmosphere was terrific. I mean, six and a half, I mean, me and um, Air Force One Allen um, were speaking about, you know, what do we think the attendance would be? And, you no, know, he said, I think it we're lucky if it's about five. I says, I think it'll be near five and a half. We're both well wrong and pleased to be. 2,000 up on the game against the Vilsa, six and a half thousand. I think the fact it was a Friday night helped because obviously last game was a Tuesday night and a lot of kids have clubs, etc. on. Whereas it was a Friday night, so it's a good start of the weekend. There's not as much on. And you saw buses of school kids coming in and it was just tremendous. And seeing the, some of the people's faces when they were getting like Aaron Cuspert's boots and... Um, you know, Chris Gramshaw's um, shirt. It's just fantastic. That's what it's all about. I think as well, we've spoken about as well, arguably you would say that women in Scotland are bigger superstars than what a lot of men are in terms of what they've achieved. That might be debated, but I'm saying that's fair to say over the last few years, isn't it? I think. I think there's no question that people like Caroline Weir and Ern Cuthbert and Rachel Corsair um, have done more um, for the Scottish national team than some of the men over the previous 20-odd years have, you know, because they qualified for back-to-back tournaments. And it says a lot about the standards that they reached, that they were so disappointed not not reaching um, next year's Euros because they were first seeds in the group and they'll admit themselves they threw that away. They they dominated three of the games and lost 1-0 in every single one of them, um, which was a shame. But they look as though 
um, <clears throat> new lease of life under Pedro Martinez Loza. I, th- I just think everything with women's team starting to click again. Um, I don't think it was a great performance tonight, but they, they found a way to win. Um, but I just think with the whole um, Pedro um, coming in as manager, Hamden now being their home, like, that was a big statement. The pictures of the two captains, um, Robertson Corsett at Hamden, is just iconic as well. And everything's just moving in the one direction. You've got to give credit to, I mean, we've criticised SFA for the way they run the game, but the way they're promoting the national team, both men and women, is fantastic. Yeah, I did have to give my apology, didn't I, for the SFA the other week, because as Paul McNeil, who is a good friend of the podcast, he once was on the podcast and said, his wee boy, I think, was saying, why did he say that about you? Because he works for SFA and they're saying a certain thing you might say against certain organisations. Uh, but yeah, so we had to apologise. We do like the SFA and we are, like, we, are, we just want everyone to do well, don't we? That's what we want. At the end of the day, we want Scotland to do well. Men's team, women's team, we want to be getting tournaments. Because what a buzz it gives you. Like, how good was the Euros? How good was the World Cup? Like, it's just, it's great. So, all right. Laura, from going back to the earlier question about what you, you can't be, what you can't see then. So when you were growing up, was there any, was there a chance to see women's football or women's players to look up to for yourself? The main player for myself um, was Julie Fleeton to kind of look up to. She actually opened the first, my high school's like PE hall. So for me, that was like a big thing. But apart from that, it was mostly kind of guys football that I followed and looked up to because women's football wasn't out there. So it was guys football or nothing really because unless you knew people that were into women's football, we couldn't really go and watch the games. So it was mostly kind of men's football. There's another absolute legend as well, like Julie Flayton. Like, in terms of what she's achieved or did achieve, like, yeah. tremendous. Yeah, Oh, sorry, John. I was asking Laura was actually a Kelly fan. Um, I'm not a Kelly fan, no. Oh. <laughs> don't need to ask that. Don't need to ask that, Erin. <laughs> you missed the start of the podcast. Yes, no. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just getting organised. I just like hearing. She plays for I Kelly, like... so she's professional. That is what, I... we what I think is interesting is when, as John said, you can't find any information really online about, you know, unless the club itself has, you know, really made a big effort, it's really hard to tell. And I actually find all that stuff quite interesting, like all the nice little things that you hear, like little facts and stuff. I especially like players um, who talk about their pets. That's a big thing I enjoy. Sometimes the players on Instagram will put their pets up and I think that's good news. The fans like to hear all this stuff. Do they? Yeah, I think so. You like a bit of human interest, I think. I thought you said it was animals, like pets. That's not human. Well, they are. No, but but... If someone has a pet, I find that interesting. Right, and I think okay. it's, I think generally, so you feel if you support a team where, you know, you are a biggish team, you might meet some of them after a game every so often, you might bump into them, whatever it is. But they are, like John says, you know, you get your pictures with them when you're younger, it's really exciting. And there is an element of people want to know things, you know, about the celebrities basically that they follow. And I think it is important that with women's football, they do promote the kind of, you know, hear something about these people that you look up to as well as just they play football on a Sunday, here's when you can go. Because if you're young and you're kind of, you know, getting excited about it and looking up to people, I think you love knowing little things like, you know, little facts about them, a bit of background and things. I think kids love all that stuff. So I think they hopefully need to work towards getting something more there to get, you know, I just think it creates a little bit more buzz about it. 
Oh, it does. Trust you, wait. Like when Andy was saying earlier about Stephen, you're going to see on the on the website <laughs> every player that's got a pet, the pet's going to be in the picture. Is that what I you want actually, to I would properly love that. So genuinely suggest it to Kelly and that you'll be in the top five <laughs> of websites. But you need to ask now, do, 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 like Lord, does Lord or Stephen Andy have a pet? Like, yeah. you go, I bet Lord's got a Right, okay, here we go. I guess. I've got two two dogs that I love very much. <laughs> kind. A golden retriever and a Hungarian hound. Oh. See, and I would love to see photos of those on a club website. Mm-hmm. I'm sure I can make it happen. There we go. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the feedback that we've got to provide. Can I ask you though one thing, Laura, please, if it does happen, do not put the dogs in any type of clothing. Please no. No, I couldn't. Charlie's too big. Charlie's a golden retriever. He's too fluffy. Good. What about another little kiwi top for him? Uh, I, I could. I could get them both Kelly shots. <laughs> the wee bandanas. The, the wee bandanas are all right. I think that's all right. Because that, that's basically like a wee collar, isn't it? But yeah. No, like, no, like, I'm not, I mean, you've seen it, haven't you? It's just me that thinks dogs should not be wearing clothes. The one yeah. that I properly hate is at Halloween when people dress their dogs up as the thing that I'm terrified of. And it's horrific to say. It shouldn't be allowed. Well, here's a thing. So, <laughs> you guys might not know this, John and Erin, but Andy and Laura, I'm pretty sure, will know this. Now, Erin and John, question for you. When is Halloween? Sunday. What yeah, date? First of October. Okay. Andy like and Laura. John, doesn't it? No, wait a minute. Andy and Laura. So, as Kilmarnock, when is Halloween? Oh, that's know. a that, that is there is a thing there is a thing. Oh, I know it. I know it. Do you know? I should, I should know this because the kids were talking about this today in work. They have it on a different day. Oh, have a different day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Halloween. Yeah. It's is always. Yeah. Oh, 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 yeah. Go. See if you get it, Andy. Go. Go. <sighs> is it a Friday for some reason? Yes, it is the last Friday yeah. of October, and they call it Kelly Bean. Yes. <laughs> That's not how things like Halloween work. You can't just pick your own day for them. Uh-huh. You can't. You name it. You've not, you've not experienced enough nights out in Ayrshire. You can do what you but want in Ayrshire. Like, so you've got Halloween on the 31st, and what, Kelly just think, in Ayrshire, they're like, nah, we'll have a different day for it. When do you yes. have Christmas in Ayrshire? <laughs> Every day is Christmas in Ayrshire. Um, so I think from what I, I, I think what the thing is, I think it started maybe that all the shops would be open Monday to Friday. So what it would do, it getting the buzz, folk would like dress up on a Friday. So you'll go about, now it happens other places, but definitely on a Friday in Kilmarnock. If you go out and about in Kilmarnock, most places or a fair amount of places will have some kind of ha- Halloween outfit on the Friday. So if you go for your Greg sausage roll, you are likely to see a clown. As in they'd be dressed up as a clown. I'm not meaning, generally, honestly, so just bringing a bit of the airshot. So like for the Kelly fans who listen to us, it'd be like a bit of knowledge. Erin and John are like completely bemused by like this. It's not true. So Halloween is on Sunday. That's that. You can't just pick a different day for it. Well, Andy's got some breaking news because next coaching session is, I think, Thursday you guys train? Well, until you use a fancy dress training. Absolutely not. <laughs> 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 Unless I've not been told about it. But... <laughs> Just wait Don't till bring out your um, broomstick and witch's hat, Andy. Come on. 
so uh, there you go. But aye, a wee bit of fun there. Um, right, going back to oh, aye, Kelly. So actually, Kelly, there must be a bit of sense of pride because when we were doing our research and John and we both found this out, we didn't know before. Kelly are the oldest established women's team in Scotland, deriving from Stuart and Thistle, nineteen sixty-one. So right. sixty years this year. And if we're talking about icons as women's football, Rose Riley, Shelley Kerr, Joe Love, like again, massive names in the women's game. Pauline yeah. Hamill as well. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think that's when you, when you hear some of the names that have obviously played for Kelly, that's and obviously going back maybe twenty years, like Kelly were the kind of go to team. They were the kind of big name and and, and that's what we obviously want to bring back when we know it's going to be tough now because there's so much money and obviously involved in, in, in the women's game and, and, and certain teams are really buying into it. But that is the, the dream is to kind of get Kelly back to the top league and, and, and start to um, bring through that home talent again. See, on the back of that, we had a question from Chris, uh, who's one of the podcast team, and he kind of did say, in a way, is there a pressure to live up to that history in a way because... You say Kelly won it the league twice, only team to win the league outside of Hibs and Glasgow City, I think. Is correct in saying, and they played in the UEFA Cup twice. Don't think the UEFA Cup even gets played. I, I know it doesn't play the men's, but women's. But it's just a Champions League now, isn't it, for women's game? There's not another European competition. I think that'd be a, it'd be a really big thing if they could do another kind of competition um, in Europe. And it would just give more teams an opportunity because there's some quality teams. And you've seen that with, with Glasgow City this year, like the first time where they've done group stages and um, City have just missed out in it. And, and it's such a big windfall as well for, for these teams. So if we could have another competition um, where you're having more teams involved, it's it's definitely the way that they, we can take the women's team or the women's game forward, I should say. Given they've just given the men's a third competition, which let's be honest, most of the men's teams don't really want when you see some of the teams that they've been putting out in the conference. Like... Um, you know, I think the women's teams would be very grateful if they were offered a second competition because, as you say, it's another chance to explore, um, you know, um, to enhance your reputation and then um, go try yourself against some um, girls from all over Europe because, at the end of the day, that's how you improve your game. It was ridiculous as well the fact that Glasgow City even had to play qualifiers after what they've achieved in terms of qualifying for quarterfinals and stuff like that. That's, as far as I was concerned, ridiculous. But Again, it's UEFA and yeah. unless you're one of the big nations. So I that's maybe a topic for another day. Exactly. Um, but I mean you girls obviously fo- focused on um you know domestic game getting promotion back into um SWPL one. It's been a it was a bit of a tough start losing um you're up in two games to the, the sides at the top, Glasgow Women and Dundee United, but you said picked yourselves up well last uh, few games up until well that Queen's Park game was as mentioned earlier was a bit of a um, a fight back for you um, and um, it was a bit of a crazy game looking at it on the on YouTube Yeah it was a, to be honest we obviously the, the first two games of the season kind of passed us by we, we just never really turned up and it kind of all kind of started off with that kind of first game we, we let ourselves down and we were in complete control of the game at 2-1 and when you make bad mistakes, that's that's what happens. But you've got to give a lot of credit to obviously Glasgow women and, and, and Dundee United because they both are still undefeated. They're sitting at the top of the table and they've earned the right. Um, and and as I said, I say it to everybody in this league, I honestly believe that anybody can beat anybody on the day. It's such a tight, tight league. 
Um, and if you look at obviously all the teams that are kind of around the top of the table, is there's only a couple of points that's separating everybody. Um, so Laura, you you obviously know that if you're playing in the games, like any anybody from the kind of top team to the to the to the bottom team in the league, it's it's every game's a battle. It's like a cup yeah, final. It makes it more exciting that way because there's no such thing as an easy game. Whereas the leagues below, there's a massive gap, I think, between the kind of top half and the bottom half of the table. But for us, we never go into a game thinking, oh, this will be an easy game for us. It's every game's challenging, so it's good because you can never switch off and. There's always short results, so it's exciting every Sunday when you finish your game to find out what the other team's results have been, which is good. I've got to say as well, in that game that you're talking about, John, surely uh, your second goal will feature in question of sport as what happened next. It's got to the second goal. No, the first goal. Is it first? The tackle that ends up being a goal. Yeah. Because <laughs> uh, that's effective what it was. One of the Aye, most we, we bizarre were, goals I've seen, but it got you back into the game. We were actually joking with, with Shelley because she loves a tackle and, and she's kind of went in for it. It's, I've kind of just turned away going, oh no. And then <laughs> the balls kind of flew into the top, top, top of the corner. So I was like, when you look at it, like obviously if you've never seen the first part, you're probably going, what a strike. <laughs> but it's a, it's a tackle. She'll probably tell you otherwise right enough. Um, but I, it, was, it, was, it was some strike. For anyone that's not seen it, Go on to the Scottish Women's Premier League website and check the highlights because it generally is one of the most bizarre goals I have ever seen. <laughs> and I mean that with the greatest of respect. It's brilliant. I think. I have to ask, because looking at your squad, one thing I did notice is you've only got one goalkeeper in your book. So who um, doubles up as a goalkeeper if um, your main goalkeeper gets injured or suspended? So we've got obviously a couple of really good young goalkeepers in at the club in under 19s. Um, so if we ever were to have obviously an injury, we, we know that we could call upon uh, the players at the 19s. Um, we actually played one of the goalkeepers from the under 15s, believe it or not, the other day, and it's another real top talent in the club. So if it ever got to the point where we had to, um, we, we we obviously could dip into our academy, but. Last season, Laura, you you obviously remember that we had to put two outfield players uh, in goals, um, yeah. and it was probably two best performances the last season. Because <laughs> um, yeah. you're probably in the game just saying, right. This, I hope your keepers don't listen to this. Hope your keepers don't listen to this, Andy. No, <laughs> she's not there now. She's left. Oh well, it's all right then. It's all right. <laughs> did you, um, Laura? Did you not fancy a, a shot on goals? No. No, absolutely not. I, I would not have done as. Um, I wouldn't have performed as well as the two girls who went in. So I think the decision that was made is probably the best one that <laughs> the two girls actually volunteered. <laughs> I think something though in terms of you referring to like how you take players from the under 19s, I know that is quite a comment in the women's game. There is that chance to progress quicker. Like I think in the men's game still there's a wee bit of element of oh, are they old enough to play? Whereas I don't know whether it's like because there's less available players or just the fact that the women's game is growing so much that the opportunities are there earlier. Yeah, to be honest, I, I think my big vision and and the way that I see the game is that if you're if you're good enough or you're young enough, you're good enough. It's as simple as that. Like it's, it's for me, it's we've got some really top top players at the club, and there's a reason why between seven and eight of them have made their first team debut over the last eighteen months is because they've got that ability, and we don't need to go out and and, and sign players because we've got the players in, in we're, we're academy and, and, and that's going to be the vision from day one is that we want to give people the opportunities and 
a kind of big shout out to one of the players that's kind of stepped up over the last number of weeks is uh, Reese McCulloch. She's been exceptional and 15 years old, just turned 16 actually, and a week ago. And an, an, an unbelievable talent. She reminds me so much of Jenna Clark when we had her at Rangers. Um, just an unbelievable talent and such a bright future. So it's definitely a name that um, people should kind of look out for in the next number of years because I think she'll definitely be a top, top player in years to come. So much as I've not seen you are the full team, I have seen the under-19s playing against Glasgow City and I was impressed by what I saw. And they were playing against, obviously, Glasgow City who are probably get to pick other players and performance-wise, considering the level we're playing against, there was a lot of impressive performances. And I do know uh, that a lot of under-19s, as you say, have been playing in the, the senior team. So I think for them to see that chance of a, a pathway into the first team is good and they're not just there to, to play just youth football. Yeah, when we when we obviously are looking at players and when we're obviously targeting certain players that out, out from the club, like that are playing probably in that national performance, they get 19s or even 16s. When, when we tell them that there's opportunities and when we speak about the players that have obviously stepped up and, and kind of made their first team debut, it makes it very easy for us because the proof's there. Um, you can you can look it up. You can you see that these players have, have had their opportunities and. Some of the players that we've taken over the, the last um, couple of years from Celtic Rangers, etc., great, great players. Um, and, and we gave them that opportunity to come in and play in, in the senior league in Scotland. And, and, and that's the difference. Um, by playing in that league below, um, it gives you that opportunity to kind of bleed through the, or bleed through the kind of younger teams, uh, the younger players, and get them into the squads so that when we do get up to the top league, these players are ready to go. Um, and that's probably the biggest difficulty is in the top league that it probably doesn't happen as much because you're playing against some of the best teams in the country and some of the players that are at, obviously, City, Celtic, Rangers now, it's, it's frightening, like some of the players. It's, it's getting bigger and bigger. Well, I need to ask you as your um, um, as role as captain, um, you know, how much engagement do you and interest do you take in the, um, the younger age groups that come on it to, um, you know, as a, as a leader to try and encourage them to say this is where you can get to? Yeah, so as I mentioned earlier, we've done a talk with the youngsters. So as part of that talk, it was basically the pathway up and what they're aiming to be. And basically any player in that team can and probably will end up in the first team if they're obviously the right mindset and if they want to be there. So that started with the young ones. But even with regards just to the 19s, quite a lot of the times, players of the 19s will go up and train with us. Um, occasionally they'll come, um, we'll kind of play games and training against them. So it's good to also get them involved with ourselves because I think if you're playing in, a, in with the first team players you'll improve as well because we're obviously like we're playing against obviously kind of strong players and stuff so we're passing it on to them and they're getting more experience playing with us um, so it's good it's having having that pathway definitely helps younger players um, it's good to have that like first team to aim towards One thing um, I was saying to my um, speaking to my dad about we were Chatting about women's football, because my dad, it wasn't particularly accessible, I think, for a long time. And unless, you know, you're kind of on, you know, lots of social media and kind of looking for it, you don't really see much. But my dad's been enjoying kind of the women's highlights and stuff that's been on, and the greater exposure they're getting. And the one thing he commented on was that discipline is so much better. And I don't know if that's just, you know, I don't know if that is factually correct, but he said that it is very much you know, you notice a big difference in it. And he said just the kind of style of play seems to be a lot less, um, 
he said there's much less diving. <laughs> and I don't know if that's because it's just, you know, if you actually focus on, you know, we're going to be really disciplined, we're not going to have this, we're going to do that, or if it is actually just something that none of you have ever picked up, so it just doesn't happen. Laura, do you want to kind of comment on that just from the kind of plain side of things? Yeah, obviously, I think, um, and from my point of view, with regards to men and women's football, I think it needs to be viewed as different. Like, I think it should be viewed as the same sport. Um, I think the women's need to be you to watch it for what it is. I don't think you can compare it to guys' football at all. I think it needs to be you to love it for what it is. It's completely different to guys' football. Guys, yes, might be more physical and better in some areas, but some of the talent that women's football, like some of the women's players is incredible. If you just watch that, like the Scotland team on Friday, like the individual players, the talent they have is frightening. So I think you have to just look at it as a completely different game and love it for what it is. And regards to like diving and stuff, I think for me especially, I think I'm, I've, I, just, I don't know, I'm just, for me, I don't really dive and not many people on my team would dive. You actually get sometimes get into trouble for not going down <laughs> when we get filled and oh, stuff. So. Oh, you can't say that. You can't say that. <laughs> who, who, who do you get told off from? Is it Andy? No, not Andy. Oh, that's what I think. <laughs> um, so I think it, it definitely seems to be viewed as a kind of different game and love it for what it is because as long as, as far as people, if people keep comparing it to guys' football, then there's going to always be those negative comments and people trying to stop it from progressing. So just look at it for what it is. I think the speed of the game is brilliant. It's really, I think it's really fast-paced. And I think it's really technical. And I think unless you've kind of seen a game you don't really notice. I think there is a preconception that oh, women's football is not the same. It's boring. It'll be rubbish to watch. Not at all. I've seen no, think- a lot of men's games that are dire, and I've seen some very good women's games. So I think probably that is a misconception that once we kind of get rid of that, and probably the women's highlights being on the TV and kind of being there more will help with that as well because people will see it and think well, this is actually great. Does your yeah, dad know? Sorry, Laura. On you go, it's just like thing. Erin, does your dad know he gets a regular shout out on this podcast? Because <laughs> he doesn't get that regular shout out. We were actually speaking about it this weekend. Um, we're obviously loving football at the moment, so I'll I'll let you know what his quote is after Wednesday night, right? Okay, okay, that's fine. Uh, sorry, Laura, back to you. Just I was just about the pace of the game, like it is, it's especially the kind of top league in our league as well. It is, it's a fast flowing game, it's not. I, I, the reputation that women's football has it's slow and it's not as kind of the physical ability is not as good and but it is and the technical ability is not as good but it is people just need to kind of open their eyes to women's football a bit more and something so narrow-minded without giving it a chance I think that's the thing we've all found is like the respect value discipline you don't hear we don't see as much in terms of players talking back to referees don't hear any abuse from the stands I don't think like the same. I was at you. Well, is that slightly different then to what? I, I would maybe it was because I was at a youth game. Maybe that they're maybe a bit kind of. But I've been to men's youth games and uh, I have parents on the pitch. Never mind no, the sidelines. It, it isn't. It isn't as bad as men's football. I think we are a bit nicer today. But there is a few occasions that people maybe are a bit mouthy, but definitely not to the same extent that regards like kind of junior football and. Obviously, men's football. Why are you talking about junior football? Hey, wait a minute here. Now you're talking about West of Scotland, it is now. No, it is about a junior, to be fair. <laughs> right, actually, on the back of discipline then, most clubs have some kind of disciplinary procedure, whether it is contributions towards a night out at Christmas. Andy, Laura, what's the, the discipline situation at Kilmarnock? What do you do? 
What's that? Sprints. Sprints. Yeah, sprints, but we don't we don't really have like a kind of fine system in anything. But I we'll we'll usually do some sprints if they if they step out of line. <laughs> sprints, mm-hmm. right? Okay, that's all right because everyone's massively fit after the pandemic in terms of all that running. So mm-hmm. <laughs> you need to you need to punish some more, Andy. Sorry, Laura. I know too soft. Too don't soft. give them ideas. <laughs> uh, another thing, pandemic, right? WhatsApp chats must have been pretty good as you were all getting to know each other. Who's the pranksters in the dressing room? Is there any pranksters? Dana likes a good Dana likes a good laugh. She's probably a bit of a prankster. She's a big character in the dressing room. Always up for a good laugh. A good laugh. And then you have the quiet Mm -hmm. ones as well that just not get involved in the WhatsApp. Well, there's there's a few I don't everyone does get involved to some extent, but yeah, there's a few quiet ones and then a few kind of big characters. So it's a nice mix. Good match. You're smiling, John. You want to ask a question? I was, I was, I was, just, I was just going to say, um, um, what, if you get promoted at the, at the end of the season, because um, obviously you're not allowed to drink during the season, what will be your tipple at the end of the season, Laura? I don't really want to answer that, to be honest, because it's quite embarrassing. <laughs> answer. Answer it. Uh, a big fan of... I'd probably say Mad Dog. <laughs> Mad dog. Here we go. Harry McLean loves a mad dog. What flavour? What flavour? What flavour? The orange one or the watermelon? What that one? Uh, I am not going to name any names, but I actually had my first bottle during the pandemic. I'd never tried it, which must be rare for someone of my age because everyone drank it when they were obviously 18 and that. (laughs) I I didn't, it it wasn't for me. I don't know whether it was just because I've got more discernible taste now. That's an acquired taste. I reckon at the age of 18, I'd have been writing about it if I'd been offered it. <laughs> Andy, I'm looking at you because you look as if you might be a similar age to join me. Have you ever partaken in a bottle of MD2020? Yes, and we'll not go into that. Favourite <laughs> 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 flavour? The blue. Oh. That, be, that, that means you still drink it then, because the blue one's not been out long. <laughs> <laughs> no comment. <laughs> right, okay. What's your uh, tip of choice then outside the mad dog? I like a cider. Cider. I do, I do like a cider. I get I get slaughtered for that. We had a staff night out a couple of weeks ago and everybody was on the pints and I was sitting enjoying myself with some ciders and I but I like a cider. Ah yeah, that's right. I know my cider. Right, okay. So I mentioned earlier about the Scottish Cup draw. Now I know it's a men's game, but we aren't going to talk about it too much, but I need to talk about it because Charlie Mulgrew's hands were sweating after handling a whole load of balls. You know where this is coming. UK.manscaped.com. You can get free shipping and 20% off any products on there, whether it's a lawnmower 4.0. As we've said before, you can, especially, we've still got a Scotland team because Scotland are played tomorrow night against Sweden. Make your line rampant, salt tyres, the lot. Get involved. SFF podcast, capital letters, get your discount and your balls will not be as sweaty as what Charlie McGrew's hands were <laughs> yesterday. Going back to the football. Women's football special, sponsored by Manscaped. Uh, we're sponsored by Manscaped every week. It's a quality. I, I know. Like, I just... like, we'll not go any further on, on the subject to what could happen with that, because it's a family show. Ambitions then for Kilmarnock beyond this season, well, including this season, but long-term vision. 
But like, is there talk about it, Andy? Like a long term vision with the board or whatever? Or... Yeah, we, we we made a plan when when I took over the job that we had, we have a five year plan and and, and currently it, the, the kind of first couple of years was to kind of stabilise the club and, and really just kind of get it back on its feet. We kind of felt as if that Kamarnik had kind of fell away off the kind of wagon, um, and it was really just about getting it kind of back up and running. We really wanted to develop the youth academy as well, and a, and a lot of that hard work was down to Davy and the staff um, who, who have kind of built that up over the last number of years. I think the real unique thing about um, what we've got at Kamarnik is that we all train in the same facility, um, and we're on the same nights as well, so the girls are always able to see the first team players, they're always able to interact with them, and that was a big thing. Um, but really, kind of in the long run, it would just be to be an established women's team that that, that can compete and and do well in cup competitions and do well in the league and, and really just kind of bring the club back to kind of where they were. And we, we would love for obviously to get back into the top league. But is the big thing for me is that can we expand the, the leagues? Can we can we have more teams in the top leagues? Because our league this year's get seven teams and. There's a lot of really top teams down in the league below. So hopefully for next year going forward and in, in the kind of years coming up that we can try and expand leagues and, and really try and get more quality teams into that top league to kind of build the product. Because that's what they've done down in England and it's and it's worked a treat. Does that come down to like in the men's game, like licences, like the, the clubs only to apply for licences to be part of the SWPL? No, not, well, not that I know of. I, I think it's just that a couple of years ago there was obviously some really bad results um, and yeah it was difficult I mean I can remember years ago when we were at Queen's Park some of the kind of results that you had against City and stuff were it didn't do the, the game any good so I, I totally get it and totally respect the, the decision why they decided to go to two leagues of eight um, but when certain teams are having to drop out um, and then obviously teams are getting taken out of our league and, and put up and then we have can only got that kind of 17 league it, it seems a bit crazy but I'm hoping that and they've kind of going forward that they can really try and support clubs more funding get involved and in, in, in really clubs backing their teams that, that will hopefully push the league up because there's there's definitely good enough teams to, to have a 12 team league um, or a 10 team league in the top league and even the same in, in the SWPL too there's some of the teams that we played in the, in the lower leagues brilliant some top top teams and just need that opportunity and hopefully if they expand it, it will definitely make the game bigger and better. John, you were talking to a Force fan last week because he's a Falkirk fan and he was saying there's some good things going on there and they're ambitious. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, I think what's not helped um, is that the Championship was obviously um, not played last season. So when Forfar Farmington with, um, unfortunately had to withdraw and then Partick um, promoted at the last minute. That's where the spot came um, became void in the SWPL too. So they've suffered because basically the championship couldn't have any fixtures last season. There wasn't any fixtures to uh, justify. There wasn't anyone that could justify being in. But hopefully, um, you know, the likes of Falkirk and Inverness, Calathistle um, can progress this season because you want to see the women's game grow um, and you know have that competitive. There's no reason why in the future you can't have. 10 team leagues um, in, in both SWPL 1 and 2. There are still challenges, as mentioned with Forfa and with Dunfermline, but here's hoping the more the, the game grows and the more Scotland um, get to Euros and World Cups and the money filters down, um, that you know the, the game the game will grow and that teams like Kamara engage in a community programme to try and get more women into football as well. Yeah. 
on another subject of in the women's game, because we see it in the men's game, sports scientists get involved. Is that something that we're really seeing much of in the women's game or something that might still be to come? That was a question from Ross. Either of you want yeah. to answer, Laura or well, Andy? Like. I, I think um, we, we've got a really big coaching staff, obviously, at Kilmarnock, and, and sports science is, is something that we uh, have the plan to, to get involved in, but it's a, a lot of our staff are volunteers. Um, and that's kind of the big issues that you have. So we've obviously got a partnership just now with the universities where students are going to be coming in and getting involved in, in kind of doing more of the sports science stuff, which will hopefully take us to, to the next level. And when you're at uh, Rangers in, in Glasgow City, that you, these people are already in place, so it's really easy um, for, for us to get access to that. So that's the kind of envision for us is that we want to to do that as a club and we've got the people on, on board now that can take us forward and, and do that. So, um, yeah, it's, it's definitely a massive part of the game now. And Laura, you obviously speak a little bit about it as well. It's that it can take you to the next level. And, and, and that's the difference between the top teams, having been at Rangers and seen it, that even when, when we had, when, when I was at Rangers, it was when you seen City and Hibs, who were obviously doing the sports science at um, the university during the day and first thing in the morning, like it, it makes a difference. It really does. And, and that's the reason why City and, and Hibs were so successful for the number of years is because they were being treated like professional footballers and, and it makes a difference. What's your thoughts on that, Laura? Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think the way that, well, especially the visions that Kilmarnock have, I can see it definitely introduced and especially like Andy said, having a link with the universities, um, that's obviously handy as well because it'll be, it'll be fresh looking at learning stuff as well if it's that's what they're obviously studying. Um, it's obviously it's always a positive to have um, the sports scientists in, um, having a different view from like the coaches and managers and helping out in different ways. So it's definitely something I think most teams should look to have if they don't already. Is it something kind of though in a way it's kind of almost self-police? Because I know there's more to sports science and nutrition and regimes for individual players and different things like that. But is it something that as a team tying it together, you're kind of all like professionals and looking after yourself anyway? Like self-managed almost. We need to, because we don't have have someone in place just now, we need to kind of do it ourselves. But for me, like I'm quite strict with stuff um, away from football, which helps massively, I think, going into football. And I think a lot of the girls in the team are, are the same. Um, but having somebody on the team that will basically sit every player down and give them like like individual kind of, I don't know, like kind of this is what you should be doing, this is what you should be eating, will make a massive difference. Um, and I think it's, you know, it's the differences if it started. This is where the truth can come out here because we've heard the footballers doing this. So you play at four o'clock on a Sunday, say, seven o'clock, you're getting your dinner, what you're having for your dinner and after the game to get these calories back. Um, don't really know my diet's not terrible to be fair so so I don't know um, the example I always see was Barcelona right because uh, I used to add this argument with my mate saying oh, there's no way they eat pizzas and burgers and all that and then there was a list that was revealed right it was it was a men's team and it was like Messi was getting pizzas Suarez was getting burgers and all that they were all eating what is considered to be the absolute worst of food because they burned so many calories during the game that they were actually advised mm-hmm. Get whatever in you you can just get calories in you Andy mm-hmm. what are you having after the game well, after, all that, after all that running about at the sidelines well I like to have a <laughs> win 
I do like a wee cider. Um, but no, uh, we've actually been, the club's been really good to us lately and they've obviously struck a deal with um, Domino's. So we've actually been getting pizzas. Um, Laura, you missed out on that last week. Um, but yep. yeah, that's the kind of, what the clubs are doing now is that they're getting pizzas in after games. And as you say, it's just trying to kind of get the calories back in the body and, and just enjoy yourself because you work hard all week and you can you can have that wee cheat day and, or that wee cheat uh, dinner. So no, I don't. I don't mind as long as they're fit and ready for the games. I don't mind. Ah, exactly right, Laura. What's your favourite pizza topping? Uh, I'm very, very boring. The pizza. Um, I just like barbecue chicken. Very boring. Laura, okay. when you have pizza, do you eat the oh. first? <laughs> You've got the nice barbecue chicken bit last. You know, like so you can enjoy the bit with the toppings on and eat the dry bit first. This is going to shock you, but I don't eat the crust. I don't like the crust. <laughs> Oh, you simply don't eat them at all? No, I don't eat them at all. I see the good bit. Yes, exactly. I force exactly. myself to eat the crusts first. But you're right. I shouldn't even bother with the crusts. But if you were going to eat the crust, you'd obviously get them out of the way first. Yeah, because they're horrible. No. You eat what you like first, right? We're no five-year-old when we're told, if you don't eat everything, you're not getting your dessert. Eat what you the bits you like. And if there's a bit you don't like, just leave them at the side. And That's recycle them even. in the food waste, isn't it? I just don't eat them at all, so... Aye. Well, Erin <laughs> eats the crust first. So, yeah, think so about... Can, so, so I just eat how she holds the pizza. I have the crust, and then I have, like, the nice bit with all the toppings on last. Like, if you have a sandwich... Andy knows... Andy agrees with me here. If you buy a sandwich, say, like, from a supermarket, like a shop, and it's in a triangle, two big triangles in a packet, you eat the crust first, so you've got the delicious filling last. Andy, don't agree with us. Are you agree no, with us? No, I'm, I'm, I'm quite intrigued. You know, I... I... No, <laughs> no, I, I would go for the the main part of the pizza first. I'm not, I'm not a fan of the crust. To be fair, usually the dog uses the crust. <laughs> but what about like Domino's? Like a good dip, like get the crust in the dip, the garlic and herb dip. No, mm, nah. Huh? Sometimes it's stuffed crust for the cheese. You can put Aye. it in the dip. Yeah, we're talking. But, yeah. but nah. The Domino's thing must be quite popular because often I've seen the Aberdeen team bus and they're all going on with like piles of Domino's for their drive back up the road. Well, I don't know if we can say about that. I think it might be Papa John's because I think Papa John's sponsor oh. the men's game. So I don't Sorry. think... It might be someone else know. now. Better not mention that in case that deal goes because <laughs> we need more money in Scottish people, not less. So it's Papa John's pizzas are all eating. Papa That's John's right, I think it's all eating on the bus. But I have uh, seen that before. Fish. Like pizza's been delivered to the bus and you just think... Oh, they get a pizza on the way home. But I guess you're right. They've burned so many calories. And I suppose it's kind of like your night off and away once you've played your game because you've got, you know, you've played, that's it for the day. And then I guess you're back training. How often do you train a week, Laura? Um, we train three nights a week. So a Tuesday, Wednesday and a Thursday. It's impressive. It's and that's on top of like your normal working day, whatever you're doing yeah. working. As well. Yeah, so everyone kind of works, or is it kind of uni or college out with that? So you you were dissing the junior game earlier. We've had guests on to the juniors before. Mm-hmm. They used to tell us, though, they did find it very difficult because they'd be working, training, and trying to get something to eat in between. Have you had a Tesco meal deal in a car park on the way to oh, training? Plenty, yeah. That's a, that's a go-to. Can't be a, a Tesco meal deal. There we go. Right, so it's, it's, it's just a, it's a footballer thing. And it has to be Tesco. But I'm trying. We're, we're trying. We're, well, 
Next week we'll be we'll be doing sponsored ads for Domino's, Papa John's, Manscaped, Tesco. Next trying to attract sponsorship. Maybe if Tesco listen to this podcast and they're getting plugged uh, pre advertised, maybe we'll think let's put some money into Scottish football. Mm-hmm. Good thing, Laura. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, okay. Uh, you can come again, Laura, for all these sponsorship deals. To be honest though, I would be going for the supermarkets that have four letters because I prefer their range of snacks. No, it has to be Tesco. The best wraps and the best snacks. You're and more juice options. You're obviously posh, aren't you? With the, the, Tesco's the, the top tier supermarket. Tesco's, not, Tesco's, tier. Tesco's good. Tesco's and a the big deal. <laughs> sometimes when you go to the tell, Laura, you'll say this, haven't you? When you go to the tell sometimes, you put it through your three items and then it takes off like three pounds. Oh, with a club card, <laughs> that's like you feel like you've... Well, no, but when you get the expensive items in the meal deal and then they go through... But then yeah. you get, it's only £3 for me. It was very good. Tesco meal deals are probably my number one meal deal. Yeah, oh, it has to right. be Tesco. I'll tell you a story about meal deals. So this was a good example of customer service, just put on the subject of them. So you know how you look and it tells you what's, what, which part of the meal deal and all that. So I'm like, right, okay, that, that, that. Went up to the tell, I was getting my other stuff. And the actual person made account that was good enough to tell me that one of the items was not involved in the meal deal. Otherwise, I would have spent about an extra four quid. So I'm um, mm. praising, they don't know who they are. They'll know who they are if they listen to the podcast. They'll be like, that was me. So I'll give them a shout out. What's worth talking about for the tier, obviously, um, had a pie at the football on Friday night, chicken curry pie, which was really good, I must say. Um, so uh, Ross was wanting, to, wanting a review. And Freya says it's safe and fair. No, it was really good. Um, I would give it an eight and a half out of ten. I thought it was exceptional. Eight and a half out of ten, that's pretty decent. I take it, isn't, is it? I, I've said this before, I remember Mr. Singh used to do pies at the at Hamden. Was it a Mr. Singh's pie or was it just a standard chicken curry? As far as I know, it was just a standard chicken curry pie. Um, but I really, I really liked it. Um, I, liked it I, used to, I, I like the ones at the co-op as well, because that's sometimes I go to if I'm... Um, What's that co-op? We can't talk about them as well, buddy. We can't have more use of a market sponsoring <laughs> Send us pies. I will pies. say that I do actually really like a killie pie. And one of the things that I was quite disappointed <laughs> by with killie going down was the lack of killie pies. But if I come to the women's game at killie, can I get a killie pie there? We'll make sure there's one there for you. Well, what? actually, no. You better save a macaroni pie. Exactly, save the macaroni pies because no, uh, well, all season, all Erin, <laughs> you you went on last week, right? Because you were too excited because you'd got a macaroni pie the weekend before. All season, all we have heard is I cannot get a macaroni pie anywhere. Chris, who had not been to football for a while, first game we went to at Hamden, got a macaroni pie. It's not that difficult, Erin. We're selling them at the South Stand at Hamden and Friday Personally, night as well. I didn't want one, want one at Hamden because it wasn't that nice there. I don't, I don't think the food at Hampton is quite poor. Didn't want one at Hampton. I wanted one at quite a few games. And Hearts, 20 to 3. I went up, right? Kickoffs at 3. We sold back. Oh, we sold out ages ago. How can you have sold out ages ago? It's not even 3 o'clock. Wraith, oh, we'll have more at half time. They'll be ready. Half time will go down. Oh, they're gone now. Livingston, oh, we don't get many macaroni pies in because Aberdeen fans are the only ones that want them. Well, here we are. We're Aberdeen the fan. Aberdeen fan is all one at once one, I think. Well, we're it's trying. Dundee. Went to the counter. No, sorry, they're sold out. And I was like, huh. She said, oh, I think they might have one at the counter over there. Just out the oven. Perfect it was. Excellent. Back around by. So they are, they're your top, top away ground to go to now? Absolutely not. 
but the macaroni well, pie was very nice. <laughs> and um, I like the chicken curry pies at Dundee are also good. The chicken curry pies at Motherwell are good. The killie pies are good. Steak yeah. and treats from St Johnston is absolutely. I'm looking. I'm, I'm actually going to a St Johnston game soon. Um, with a couple of friends and I, I'm, the main reason I want to go to this game is for the state and Teresa one but Grant Campbell is one of them who's joining us he recently um, went to a Ross County game as a neutral and he um, had a venison pie was it deer? was it deer? hey but I'm... <laughs> uh, <laughs> was he stag to <laughs> oh boom <laughs> right, aye. Well, time to do that chicken haggis peppercorn sauce job I think I, I tell you, I've told you, I've you all season, pie. get to Talbot, <laughs> get to Talbot games, the Ranger Pies is top notch. Oh, I, need, right, I had a pie and, oh God, Saturday, right, went to the football. Now, I don't like to be negative about things, but this pie was the worst pie I've ever had. It was cold. It was, you've seen the pictures, Jordan, there, haven't you seen the pictures of it? I put it in the WhatsApp group. The, the crust was falling off. The filling was at the sides. And it was served in kitchen towel. I just thought, look, I've got the good clothes on here because uh, I was going to football with my with my top clothes. I had visions of it going all over the good jacket. Thankfully, it never. But the part oh, it was awful. I'll no name where it was. Preston Athletic. Um, so <laughs> I just don't get. Oh, I, don't, I felt sorry for them. I don't know if they were expecting this big a crowd because I think they don't get as big a crowd as it normally. But I uh, just. Keep them up. Like, that's all we want. I don't want a cold pie. I think it is frustrating because it does see if you get a horrendous pie. I feel like it just like tarnishes your trip, especially if it's not your club you've gone to see. So it's like another game. You just yeah. think, well, that's ruined my night. I get it does, you know, it's very upsetting. Laura, you're lucky you're not allowed to eat pies, so you would have these <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Lucky me. <laughs> list of list of banned food, pies. Pies. You're on their own what, podcast. What's your, <laughs> your favourite goal that you've ever scored? Oh. Me? Um, I don't really score many goals, to be fair. But I'd say it was probably when I first moved up to senior football and um, I played for a team, Mill United, and to get promoted into the first division, I scored a header. But to be fair, it was a built header, but I didn't even know what hit my head. Thought it was a good goal. <laughs> that. You can you can just pretend it was all planned. Well, where did that yeah, about out for your order that you never knew anything about it? Thanks. <laughs> What's your favourite goal you've ever seen? Um, for women's or for men? Either. I actually really don't know. Probably for men's. It has to be one of Henri's goals. Big Henri fan. But... I don't know. I can't, I can't pinpoint one. Am I right in saying you're a centre-back, Laura? Yeah. So who's your centre-back role model? Andy Constein. <laughs> Um, It's actually an old player, Puyo. I used to like him. I liked his attitude. I can see that from your hair. Yeah, basically twins. <laughs> I'm, only je- I'm only jealous, <laughs> uh, to be honest. Who's your that. toughest opponent, Laura? Um, this season... I'd say playing against Danny McGinley, the striker for Dundee. She's very strong. Very strong. Good player. As a, Go back to you, Andy, as a coach. How did you get into coaching? So, um, 16 years old, took my little brother along to his football. 
um, which was like a kind of mini kickers group. And the coach was running late and I decided to kind of get involved and, and kind of just help with the warm-up. And then obviously it just kind of snowballed kind of from there. And I then decided, I thought I think my dad thought that I was going to go into uh, construction. Uh, he wanted me to become a roofer. And obviously I decided to go home and tell him that I wanted to go to college and, and do sports coaching. And I, that was a few... Unhappy chats. <laughs> ready to send you up the roof. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, that 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 was kind of how I got started, and it was just kind of along with my wee brother and to his mini kicker group, and it just kind of snowballed from there. And obviously, been really lucky with some of the unique opportunities that I've had over the last how many years is that now? Wow, maybe 14, 15 years. So, and then barges and all that. Like that's, yeah. is that a requirement as well in the, the women's game? Like you need to get to a certain level of badges? Yeah, so obviously started off doing the kind of um, early touches course at 16. Gained quite a lot of qualifications while I was at college. That was part of the course. It was a kind of football studies group. Um, and obviously from that, um, I, I didn't really start going through my licences until I kind of stepped into the women's game. So the first one I did was the old C licence, which is now kind of UEFA C license. Queen's Park put me through that. Um, and then it wasn't until I had went to Rangers um, where I'd kind of went through the B license and I'm actually just about to complete the A license this year, hopefully. So it's been, yeah, it's been, it's been a really good experience and anybody that's kind of thinking about doing the coaching badges, I would highly recommend them because it really does. It's, they are the, the best, the best, courses for me like I've been on a lot of courses and just the content and, and the delivery from the staff and, and the amount of people that are getting involved the amount of ex-pros and, and pros that are still playing at, at just now I mean I think our group this year we had we had players like Charlie McGrew we had Andy Considine we had top top players on the group and they were obviously doing really well with Scotland at the time so um, it was great to kind of learn from them and they were obviously talking about their experiences how they kind of obviously got um, into the tournaments and stuff so it was brilliant Go on, got a question. Yeah, just a quick one. You mentioned Scotland there. Um, we like um, when Scotland are playing them, you know, the taps on what um, Scotland tops were like. What's your favourite um, Scotland shirt from your lifetime? Oof. Both of you? Uh, 1998. I loved the 1998 one. I really did. Um, I remember actually going to get that with my dad. Um, and I just, I, I can, I was kind of the real the kind of first born memory I had of like obviously really getting into football with the kind of the World Cup and that and I, I always remember having that top it was I, I think I've still got it somewhere will be a Laura um I've not can't remember what year it was but probably the one and it was like the white one with the light blue kind of cross over it well, like that was. McFadden, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah in Paris that was just good <laughs> Yeah, it's a good one. Now, do you have a show-stopping question? We I guess on unless Erin, do you have anything else you would like to ask our distinguished guests? Um, one about strips, if that's okay. okay. What is your which strips do you think this season um favourite or favourites are especially nice? You seen any that have caught your eye? Uh, I really like the Ajax one. Have you seen that one? The away one. Mm-hmm. The three little birds, the Jamaica style. Oh, unbelievable. Like, one of the boys in the work, he bought it, and wow, it's a cracker. 
Wo bin ich Lara? Ähm. Komarik. Komarik. Ja, der Komarik von Wunsakirke. Ah, jetzt geht's. Fine. I didn't win our best kit competition. Oh. <laughs> And never who did win that again? <coughs> In the championship. Um, no, oh, I well, I know I the championship one. I'm trying to remember. I wasn't. I wasn't at Jacob Kamarnik being. Is that not Morton that won the championship one? They were certainly contenders. It was a Morton Kamarnik final actually. Yeah, Kelly were actually really popular. It was really popular. It is a nice. Um, it's a nice trip. I think um, a lot of clubs you just get the same kind of thing most years. So it is nice when you see something a bit different as well. Maybe what we should do, because we did the Premiership and the Championship. In the men's game, League One kind of flopped. I think off the back of this, we should do an SWPL one competition and an SWPL two competition. Yeah, because I think it will get good interaction and also as well it will help us give more exposure to the women's game as well. Great idea. You heard right. your first breaking news. There's going to be a fun. There is John, the showstopper. That always happens. We never prepared you for this, Laura. This is most, oh, mostly no. for Laura Andy. You're getting an easy, an easy, an easy break here. John, on you go. Right, it's your question. But, um, but it's your, it's you, you started this original vibe. I po- whenever apologies, it was, I Laura. I wasn't prepared to ask you this. Um, but, um, <laughs> name a, um, six, a six aside team of players that you played with. Oh, oh my goodness. Um... <laughs> Andy's sitting going, thank God, that's no me. How long do we have? So, for, is this for like every single person I've played with? Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. I start off with, <laughs> I'd say Morgan Hunter is my goalie. Put her yep. in my goals. And then, is that supposed to, like, is there a formation of to go by? Whatever you Talk want, it's a good side to me. Right, okay. 2-2-1, 1-2-2, two, 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 whatever. <laughs> I'll go 2-2-1. Go um, so, I'll put, when I played with her, she used to be a centre mid, but when I played with her, she played in the centre half. It was Nicola Doherty, who used to play for Celtic. I'll put her in next to me. I'll, if I'm, I'm included in this, so... You can put yourself in if you want. You want yeah. Old. Uh, no, no, we like that. We like that in the podcast about boldness. <laughs> there are some players that put themselves in. You go in. I go in the team. Get well, like, in the I'll team. Put my, I'll put myself in. I'll put myself right. in. Good. Oh, you like yourself. I like that. Oh, I see one from a captain. Then I'll captain. put. Are you captain? Yeah, I'll put, I'll put myself aye. captain. I'll put I think. I almost. I'll do Definitely. that. Then sent my in front of that will be. Um, Leanne Campbell, she just played for City, played with her at Mill United, next to Claire Doherty, who plays for Thistle now. And my striker, I'll have to do Lisa Swanson, Swanee, who I play with just now. Oh, yeah, I've heard some stories about Lisa Swanson that basically, like, and don't go on the wrong side of her because she's super, super competitive. Andy, would you manage that at Rangers as well? Or you're a yeah. manager there? Yeah, I've been really lucky to kind of work with Swanee, Swanee sorry, for the last, um, what would that be now? Probably seven years. Um, top, top player and real professional and everything that she does. And she just she just loves scoring goals. She just loves playing. And 
um, even when we were at Rangers and stuff, she was just, for the big game, she was the type of player that you needed in your dressing room. Um, she's just a winner. Aye, right. So that's the team sits aside. And Laura, be prepared for your WhatsApp because no one uses text message anymore. Why was I not in that team? Yeah, probably. But that was that was a hard one you're putting the spot. Right. A good so, choice. Some good good players in there. I'm happy yeah, to <laughs> Yeah, that'd be that? nice to have a bit of heads up for that one. Yeah. Aye, <laughs> oh, well, but then it wouldn't be as much fun. <laughs> True. But you'd be like sitting like. Yeah, I, I would definitely have like, myself out. On the wall. If you took yourself out, who would you put in then? Oh, oh no, like, I'm not doing this again. I don't know. Right, keep yourself in. Right, okay. Um, right, I think that's a wrap. I think that's us. Back, I think you have to back yourself. I'm always going to captain that team. Exactly. Yeah. Right, okay. Right, well, thanks very much to both of you, Andy and Laura. Hope you enjoyed it. Yeah, it's been a yep. pleasure. Thank you for having us. Yeah, Good luck this season. Yes. And are we coming to a title party when you win? We'd love you to, if that's the case, yeah. But we'd love to just have you along at a game. You're always welcome. If you ever want tickets and stuff, just let us know and we can get that sorted. I definitely know. I'm up for it, definitely. It's no far off my, I was going to say doorstep, but it is a wee, a wee bit of journey, but I'd make the effort. And John, I know you want to go to more games. Yeah, I'll try and get along. And Erin, have you been at any games yet? No, but I would like to come to one and also Andy's promised me there'll be a pie waiting for me. That's yes. it. Macaroni pie. pie. Macaroni yes. pie. And, and, have... and a killy pie as well. I'd like both ways to come oh. here. Oh. Well, the tin have your name on it. <laughs> I would really like that, yeah. Oh, right. See how you're saying that, right? I will finish quickly. That's we know, right? I was talking about this the other day to my missus. When I was wee, my nana and that used to make me sausage rolls and they made them and my wee initial would be on the sausage roll. So you never know, Erin. Like I'm putting this out there, if Andy can arrange that, I mean, that'd be fantastic, <laughs> actually. And I'm going to get one of those big signs that they get in English football that says, "Laura, can I have your shirt?" <laughs> <laughs> Plus, you can get an Empire basket as well. Um, I'm actually not the biggest fan, but my friend Julia loves them, and I think it's a very nice touch that they put the visiting club's badge on them. That is good. Yeah. Right, okay. Thanks again. Uh, pleasure having you on and hopefully speak to you soon. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye.